All right, well, welcome into the house of the Lord. I want to welcome all of you to joining us online, uh, whenever you may be listening, whether live or later on. And uh, as you open up your Bibles today, I invite you to join me in the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at chapter 33. I want to look at verse 12, and while you turn there, um, I just want to share for a little bit about the subject matter of prayer, but I'm titling this message today, The Foundation of Freedom, just kind of in in line with the 4th of July weekend and us as Americans uh, celebrating our independence and really not just independence, but freedom. How many are thankful you have freedom? The Bible says in Psalm chapter 33 and verse 12, some very important words, and it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen for His own inheritance. And how many of you know that the Lord Jesus, when we follow after Him and we make Him our Lord, has freed us? We've been freed. We've been freed from sin. We've been freed from the effects of sin. And what I want to submit to you today is that the foundation of all freedom, whether it's in the spirit realm, whether it's in our national realm, the very foundation of all of it is based in prayer. Because we could never come to God, first of all, without believing that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But before we ever are called a child of God, we have to make a choice. We have to believe that God's real. Then we have to do something about that belief. How many of you know the devil believes God is real? But he has made a choice not to do anything about it. He's made the choice to rebel against God. And how many of you know what rebellion's like? It's like the sin of witchcraft. And so as the enemy refuses to pray to God, he refuses to be freed from sin, many follow in his footsteps. Now, What I'm going to share with you today is no longer taught in our public schools. It's rarely mentioned, even in churches. But today we're going to talk about the foundation of freedom. And I want to submit to you today that our foundation for freedom in America was prayer. It is interesting to me today that many pastors refuse to speak about matters that people may call political, but can I just say this, that there is nothing in the political realm that is not in the spirit realm. It begins in the spirit. How many of you know that everything we see in the natural realm and national realm has spirit connotation to it, good and evil. And there are things that are 
you look at it and you're like, wow, that just doesn't seem right. And church, here's the thing. If it doesn't seem right, find out if it is right. Because it's all right here in God's Word. But what I want to share with you today is in 1774, representatives from each of the 13 colonies met in Philadelphia to iron out the differences that threatened to destroy this new nation. However, the battles between them began to intensify until statements were made by someone you know. I know you've heard of this man. His name was Benjamin Franklin. And he stood up and he brought this sobering truth and aired it in the room. This was his quote. He said, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business. Now, right here was the first prayer in Congress. Our, our Constitution was written shortly thereafter by men who earnestly sought God. Now, that print, and those of you online cannot see this, but you could literally just Google first prayer in Congress, 1774, and it'll come up, and you can see it. But this print captures that event. The first prayer in Congress was captured with exquisite detail. And I believe that as an American, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, that it is important that we as Christians understand and remember that our nation began right like that. It began with prayer. And I think it's important that we can tell other people about that. Amen? So I want you to understand and have this constant reminder that America was born with a foundation of prayer and founded as a nation under God. In September of 1774 is when this happened in Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The 35th Psalm fell on that day in the regular Episcopal readings from the Word of God. And it was such an appropriate psalm that all must have felt it was a message from God. And that psalm is still chosen by those feeling overwhelmed by tyrannical forces. And I would, I would encourage you today to read Psalm 35. It's just a few chapters over from what we read today. But it talks about contending, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Do you know who's fighting against you? It's not, if, 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 if you're of the, uh, one political party, it's not the other political party. Even though that's where it seems to be coming from. It's the enemy. You see, the enemy wants us all to be fighting with one another. 
within our homes, within our churches, within our nation. But I am here to tell you today that our foundation for freedom is found in prayer. Now, let me share with you and just listen to this. This was the first prayer that was prayed. And you'll see the man right there at a podium. And I'll tell you who he is in just a moment. But this is what he said, Lord, our heavenly Father, high and mighty King of kings and Lord of lords, who dost from thy throne behold all the dwellers on earth and reignest with power supreme and uncontrolled over all the kingdoms, empires, and governments, look down in mercy. We beseech thee on these American states who have fled to thee from the rod of the oppressor and thrown themselves on thy gracious protection, desiring to be henceforth dependent on thee. To thee have they appealed for the righteousness of their cause. To thee do they now look up for that countenance and support which thou alone canst give. Take them, therefore, Heavenly Father, under thy nurturing care. Give them wisdom and counsel and valor in the field. Defeat the malicious designs of our cruel adversaries. Convince them of the unrighteousness of their cause. And if they persist in their sanguinary purposes of our own unerring justice sounding in their hearts, constrain them to drop the weapons of war from their unnerved hands in the day of battle. Be there present, O God, of wisdom, and direct the counsels of this honorable assembly Enable them to settle things on the best and surest foundation that the scene of blood may be speedily closed, that order, harmony, and peace may be effectually restored, and truth and justice, religion and piety prevail and flourish amongst thy people. Preserve the health of their bodies and vigor of their minds. Shower down on them and the millions they here represent such temporal blessings as thou seest expedient for them in this world, and crown them with everlasting glory in the world to come. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy Son and our Savior. Amen. That was in Congress, church. That wasn't in a church service. That was amongst people who were at odds. The first prayer was offered in Congress on September the 7th, 1774. And that man's name was Jacob Duchesne at Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia. Witnesses record that during the prayer, George Washington knelt alongside Patrick Henry, alongside um, Peyton Randolph and... Richard Lee, John Rutledge, and John Jay. And John Rutledge and John Jay, those last two, were originally the most vocal in opposing the idea of a prayer. But after the prayer, they said a profound silence followed. So deep was their sense of responsibility upon each man present. And eventually, a very grave-looking man, coarsely dressed, he stood up and he began to speak to the annoyance of the secretary who thought he was a country minister trying to show off. 
But an unusual force of argument and a singular impassioned eloquence soon electrified the house. And this was how the first the world first learned of one of the great orators of all time. That man's name was Patrick Henry. In the future, he would often speak, and he spoke for the heart of the American people. Here, his role was simply to state what had just been accomplished. He said, British oppression has effaced the boundaries of several colonies. The, distinct, the distinctions between Virginians and Pennsylvanians, New Yorkers and New Englanders, are no more. I am not a Virginian. I am an American. Now, who would have expected that a few men praying could so profoundly change the course of history? You see, there are many that will say, well, there are many of our founding fathers, they did not know God. They really weren't Christian men. I'm not going to disagree with you. But they all prayed. Or at least they were in the room where prayer was offered. Reverend Duche, the man in white at the pulpit, was later appointed chaplain of Congress on July the 6th, two days after July the 4th in 1776. And he officiated every morning at 9 a.m. until September 28th, when while leaving church, listen to me, while leaving church, he was arrested by the British. How would it feel to you today if when you left those front two doors, the police were there to arrest you and take you to prison? Do you know that that is the reality of some nations? If they openly do what we do, they would be placed in jail. He was arrested by the British but while he served Congress, he asked that his $150 salary would be used for the relief of widows and orphans of Pennsylvania officers. Now, here's the details of this first prayer in Congress. This is the only known early American painting of the first prayer in Congress. Every detail was fully researched by the artist, and it was so carefully delineated that it actually this painting was used more in more recent times to guide the restoration of Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia. They used this painting to restore it. And it's interesting to note the choices of the artist in designing this work because the various prayer styles are reflective of the religion of each participant. Behind the podium, as I said, is the Reverend Duche, but above him, you'll see with a little quill feather pen, there is another podium behind him that was used by the president of the assembly, but that podium is unoccupied. And the reason is because no one would allow themselves to sit in a station appearing higher than the representative of God. In fact, the president of the assembly was Peyton Randolph from Virginia. He left that high station and he takes the lowest position in the painting. He is the man in the foreground on the left 
with his face covered by his own hands, appearing to bow more deeply than the others. To his left, you'll see there is a man who is standing out with a little bit of a darker suit than everyone else. That man is George Washington. And he is the only one facing the same direction as Reverend Duchesne, which implies an accord with God's vision. He stands out with that darker suit than those around him, indicating his emerging leadership role. There's one scrap of paper you'll find that is occupying center stage. It's believed that perhaps this was the message they just received that Boston was being shelled by the British. The other papers and books on the tables, if you'll look closely at them, appear that they are about to fall. They're perched on the edge of the tables. Perhaps that represents man's worldly concerns, and they're suspended precariously in wait as the men turn their attention to the more pressing need to be with God. You say, well, Pastor, really, how does prayer relate to our our country? How does it relate to American history? I'm very glad you asked me that question. Our more prominent patriots, Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, Patrick Henry, often prayed in the course of their duties or their commissions. You know, textbooks never mention this next photo of how General George Washington knelt at Valley Forge, how he petitioned Almighty God to spare his men and to get them through that terrible winter. Yet, historians have proof that it happened, and George Washington himself kept a diary. This may be the first time you've heard of the prayer, first prayer in Congress until now. Yet we have so many accounts of many eyewitnesses who testified of it that it transpired that fall morning in 1774. Prayer had a vital role in the birth and development of our nation. The first prayer in Congress was originally painted to celebrate the occasion that marked a turning point in our country's struggle for independence. Now it remains, if we go back to that painting, it remains as a symbol of integrity, of faith, and of freedom for current and future generations to enjoy. You say, Pastor, so what does that mean? It means if our founding fathers, in a time of disagreement, And even in a time where a couple of them said, we don't need to be praying, one stood up and said what Benjamin Franklin said. I want you to consider our Lord. Have you ever read in Scripture that He would get up a great while before it was even day, while it was still dark? And what would he do? He would pray. Can I tell you what it was he did after he fed the 5,000 with the fish and loaves? 
He didn't find his recliner and turn on the TV. You say, well, no, Pastor, they didn't have a recliner and a TV. Here's my point. He didn't do something comfortable. He didn't do something that's like, okay, hey, we just, uh, we just had a major miracle here. And just kind of, you know, relax. Do you know what he did? He put his disciples and he said, get in the boat and cross the water. And I'll be there directly. And then he went and prayed. The Bible says that he would often, even in the night, he would be praying. It is the way of freedom. The way we fight begins on our knees. The way we battle must be the foundation of prayer. When we want to strike, we need to bow and pray. Because here's the thing, in those prayers, when Jesus prayed, the Bible says that he never did anything except what he saw the Father do. Now, when did he see that? How did he know what to do? How did he know where to go? He said, I must needs go to Samaria. How did he know? How did he know that that woman would be at the well who did not have a husband but was living with the man and had been married many, many times previously because he found out in prayer? Now, I want to share with you two last passages of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2. So if you'll turn there, I want you to follow along with me verses 1 through 8. Are you getting anything out of this? First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. This was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young pastor named Timothy. And he says in verses 1 through 8, something I think is a very, very valuable information for us. I want you to notice the very first word doesn't say secondly or whenever you find time or lastly or finally. It says first. It says first of all, first off, the very first thing I want, the very first thing you need to do, he says, first of all then I urge that entreaties, that prayers, that petitions, and thanksgiving. Notice that, entreaties, to entreat God. God needs to be entreated on behalf of America today. Prayers, petitions, and then thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Would someone say all men? Now watch this. For kings and all who are in authority, whether you like them or whether you don't, whether you voted for them or whether you didn't. They need our prayers. They don't need our curses. They don't need our bad mouth. They need our prayers. Because church prayer changes lives. 
Are you with me? Is there anyone with me? Now, there's a reason why we do this. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. You say, but pastor, they're not, these leaders aren't godly. Neither was Nebuchadnezzar. But Daniel served under him. A righteous man served under him. In fact, he was second in command. And what does the Bible say that Daniel did? He prayed. He opened up his windows and he prayed. He faced Jerusalem and he prayed to God. And it goes on and says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. How many of you want to be acceptable in God, God's sight? How many of you want to please God? It says it's good. Would you just say that with me? It's good. It's good to pray. Who desires all men to be saved. Whoa, stop there for just a second. Does that mean your enemy? Now, when Jesus said, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, I could almost hear the disciples say, amen. I love Jerusalem. In Judea, we love Judea. Hallelujah. We're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Judea. And then Jesus inserts in Samaria. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh Uh-uh. We don't do Samaria. Okay? Hmm. We're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Judea. But no. Because they were the enemy. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, do you know that those disciples did do that very thing? You know that they raised up seven men called deacons? And one of those men was by the name of Philip, and God actually called him to be an evangelist. Now, this dude, God used him in such powerful ways, he would literally be, now you see me, now you don't. He'd be here, and then God would go, take him out, and he'd be over 20 miles somewhere else. His name was Philip. God used him in Samaria. God used him in revivals. God will use us. And listen, isn't it what God wants to do is create though he, he wants to create an atmosphere of love and forgiveness? Do you know that God, when Jesus was done with Pilate and King Herod, the Bible said that Pilate and King Herod had been enemies until after Jesus got done with them. Because Pilate said, oh, send him to Herod. Herod can deal with him. Herod said, send him back to Pilate. And the Bible says after that exchange, when Jesus, before he was crucified, after that exchange, Pilate and Herod became friends, and prior to that had been enemies. How did that happen? He's the Prince of Peace. When you meet Jesus, you meet peace. It's good and acceptable in the sight of God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth. How many of you today know truth is being thrown out on the street and being trampled? But God said he wants their understanding 
to have the knowledge of truth. Do you see here how we should be praying, what we can pray? Lord, let truth reign. For there is, there is one God and one meteor, mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. And for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Can I tell you this? Where there is anger and dissension, there's every evil thing. The Bible says where there is strife and division, it's every evil thing. The enemy loves strife. He loves confusion. He likes to go in and throw wrenches in peace. But he's messing with the Prince of Peace. And the way we stay in peace is we stay in prayer. The last one that I want to take you to is found in the book of Philippians. And I shared with you last week, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Let me just take you to the verse, two verses just prior to them. These are words to the church. He says, be anxious for nothing. Can I rephrase that? Don't worry about anything. Have you ever heard that? No worries. Don't worry. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, if I'm not going to worry, then what am I going to do? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Boy, that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Prayers, entreaties, supplications with thanksgivings. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then you know what's going to happen? The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you worried today? Are you up in arms, all the things that are going on? Worry not and pray a lot. Look at your neighbor and say, worry not, but pray a lot. And then when that's done, you can go back to last week to Philippians 4.8, then, so what am I going to think on? Whatever things are true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good reputation, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind think on these things. Is our nation under attack by an outside British enemy? No. But is our nation under attack by an enemy, an enemy of truth, an enemy of righteousness, an enemy of peace? Absolutely. But fear not. Don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. How many of you believe in him? So, the foundation 
of your spiritual freedom, you had to pray. The foundation of our national freedom is going to be in prayer because that's how it came into being, and that's how we'll maintain it. Do you know that we have a police force that needs your prayers? Do you realize how much they're under attack? Do you realize how many people hate them? Our military men and women need your prayers. Our judges need your prayers. Thank God many things have been changed in our Supreme Court. One about abortion that we've dealt with for years since the 1973. Some things are being stopped there. We need to continue to pray for those Supreme Court justices. We need to continue to pray for our, our, our governors and our leaders in our state and in our cities. We need to pray for pastors. How many of you remember this, that it was pastors in the pulpit that were talking about national freedom, oppression from the enemy? You see, a lot of times we say, well, you know, the, the, the church is church and politics is politics. It's all together. It's all together. Family. Friends. Do you know Jesus talked about friends? Friendship. Do you know that Jesus dealt with friends that denied him? Do you know that the Bible says that every... Uh, Judas, may have, Judas may have given him up, but the Bible says in the garden... Every single one left him. He understands rejection. Jesus understands unfaithfulness. Jesus understands being alone. But how many of you know he was never alone? And neither are you. If you know Jesus, there's always three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're with you. So I just want to encourage you today. Rejoice in the freedoms we have as Americans. Rejoice in the freedoms you have over the enemy, over sin, over temptation, over being bound by any chain. God wants to break every single chain in Jesus' name. Amen? The chains of oppression, the chains of whatever it is that would hold you back. So stand with me today, if you will. Let's pray this prayer together in the mighty name of Jesus, in a, in a green prayer. And let's ask Him to be with our nation right now. Let's just pray this, this prayer. Would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, we lift up our nation. We lift up the leaders. We lift up every person in the Senate and the House. We lift up every person in the White House. We lift up every person in every state government. We lift up every person in every city government. We lift up our military. We lift up our police force. And we ask that you would reign. We ask, Lord, that you would come in and bless this nation. Your word says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And as your representatives in this nation... We pray for your kingdom to come. We pray for your will to be done. Pray it out loud. That no enemy, 
can overcome the call of God, the ways of God, or the will of God. We pray this in a green prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And that means so let it be done. So let it be done. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great fourth with your family today. And also just go out and continue to be a good witness for Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. God bless.